0: what a great idea (laughs) i'd like to welcome you all this evening to RAC theater production's annual charity radio show for 21 years we've been doing this and for 21 years merrick art gallery has been our partner in this and for that i want to thank them tonight for the for the loan of the hall as it were thank you This is our annual charity production, and we do donate all the proceeds. This year we're donating to uh, Beaver County Relay for Life and the American Cancer Society, which is something very dear to my heart. As I am president, and I guess captain of a a team for the Relay that my daughter started years ago. So, my family angel's back there, one of them, yeah. I have some very special thank yous I wanna make tonight. As I, as I said, definitely Merrick, because they have opened their doors to us year after year, and we do appreciate that. As in The Wizard of Oz, they say, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, the man behind the curtain tonight is Kevin Farkas of the Social Voice Project. And I think you should pay attention. He's waving. You can pay attention to him. Several years ago, they decided they were going to help us run sound, and they have done podcasts of our shows which are on the internet for all of us to enjoy for years to come, which is, that's pretty nice. I like that. Another thank you tonight to my assistant director. Tammy, where are you, dear? Can you see the hands? Just the thumbs. <laughs> Tammy Van Evra, she was my right hand. If I couldn't do it, she could. She's the go-to girl. And she did all the sound effects for tonight, so thank her for that because she did a good job. Which was- hear hear her in a few minutes. I have another thank you tonight to our accompanist, Joanne Irons. (laughs) Joanne has done several shows with our act, and she's my personal accompanist. She and I do these little one-woman shows all over the county. You might see us someday. You never know where I'm going to turn up. (laughs) All right. I have one more little message for all of you. Picture yourself back in the 40s. I want you to be, if you want to close your eyes and just listen, feel free to do so. After all, there are no televisions, there are no computers, and there are no cell phones. So if you haven't silenced yours, please do it now. And I don't want to see them. Don't make me come out there. (laughs) So I just want you to sit back and enjoy the March family. And just their loving and giving nature to each other and to their fellow human beings. Thank
1: you. Have a good evening. ARAC presents Hollywood, an adaptation of Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Before our show, let's have a word from two of our sponsors.
2: For more than a century, the Merrick Art Gallery has offered visitors a glimpse into the style of American and European artists. As we celebrate the season, make the Merrick Art Gallery part of your family's memories. During your visit, be sure to stop by the Eva May Merrick Music Room and spend time in the 19th Century Library. In addition, the gallery offers a wide selection of hands-on art classes for all ages. Looking for a venue for an upcoming wedding or other special event? The garden and the Victorian lawn make the perfect site. Visit the Merrick Free Art Gallery at 1100 Fifth Avenue in New Brighton. For more information, call 724-846-1130 or contact them at their website, merrickartgallery.org.
3: Every week, the fine audio technicians at the Social Voice Project offer the best in local podcasting right here in Beaver County, PA. What's a podcast, you ask? Well, it's like radio, but on the internet. Topics of conversation could vary from local history and community profiles to storytelling, the performing arts, and theater. That's right, theater. In addition to supplying support for our performances, the Social Voice Project is recording our presentation tonight to be offered online as a podcast. The Social Voice Project is preserving the stories and voices of our time. Start your own podcast today with The Social Voice Project and let them do the recording for you anytime, anywhere. That's The Social Voice Project. For more information, contact Kevin Farkas at thesocialvoiceproject.org.
1: Little Women is the story of the March sisters and their romances. Four girls whose loves and ambitions are completely different, but who are bound together by happy family ties. A story beloved by generations of Americans. The curtain rises on the home of our little women. Meg, our story. We
4: were four sisters, Amy, Joe, Beth, and I. I shall start our story during that winter of 1864 when Papa was still away at war. What a miserable Christmas, we all thought.
5: How happy a Christmas it really was. Well, at least we have a Christmas tree, Amy. And I think it's beautiful.
6: Oh, but Christmas won't be Christmas, Beth. Not without presents.
4: Oh, it's dreadful to be poor. I especially feel it, because I'm the eldest and
5: I can remember when we used to be rich. We're better off than a lot of people, Meg. Orphans, for instance. We have Father, and Marmy and each other.
7: But we haven't got Father Beth, and probably won't have him for a long time.
5: But Joe, the men in the Army are having such a terrible winter. Marmee's right. We have to make sacrifices.
4: Only, I- I'm tired of making over these same dresses, year after year.
6: Well, I don't think any of you suffer as I do. You don't have to go to school with impertinent girls who label your father just because he's poor.
7: Oh, Amy, if you mean libel, then say so, and stop talking about labels as if Papa was a pickle bottle.
6: Well, you needn't be so satirical about it, Joe. It's proper to use good words and improve one's vocabulary. Vocabulary?
4: Christopher Columbus! Joe, don't use slang words.
6: Oh, I just detest rude, unladylike young ladies. And I hate affected
7: snips. Birds in their little nest agree. Oh, I'll never get over my disappointment at not being a boy. Look at me, dying, simply dying to go and fight at father's side. And here I am sitting and knitting like a pokey old woman. Poor Joe. Oh, thank you, Miss Beth, but I don't need any pity, because someday I'll be a famous writer and make my fortune. Oh, not that I'll forget about my sisters. You'll all ride around in fine carriages. And you, my Beth, you will have a new piano. And you, Meg, you'll have ten dozen dresses and satin slippers and red-headed boys to dance with. I shall like that. I thank you. So there's no use spreading now. I'll get famous just as soon as I can. Meanwhile, let's rehearse the play.
2: Meanwhile, it's time for tea. Come, girls, help me with the tray.
6: Don't we ever have coffee anymore, Hannah? Coffee's scarce
2: and dear, and it seems to me you'd be... "Ah." What is it, Hannah? Someone's looking in this room. (gasps) What? Keep away from the window. But Hannah, who is it? That Lawrence boy. Where? Where is he? Next door in the Lawrence house where he belongs. Only he does not belong at the parlor window staring into our parlor window. But what Lawrence boy? Mr. Lawrence's grandson, of course.
7: I didn't know the old fusspot had a grandson.
2: Well, he just come home. First, he ran away from college.
7: Oh, that's the bravest thing I've ever heard of.
2: And when they found him, there he was, wounded, in an army hospital. It lied about his age and enlisted.
7: How perfectly splendid. I should like to do the same. Joe, what are you doing? Well, if he can look out of his window at us, I can look out of ours at him. Josephine March. Oh, he's still there. Gee, I'm glad he's a boy. I certainly would like to know a boy for a change and have a little fun. Oh, how can you say such things? Hmm, I wonder how I could get to know him. Yoo-hoo! Hello! Hello! Why, that dreadful boy. He's waving at
4: me. Marmee didn't come home until late that afternoon. She'd been in the village, helping poor Mrs. Hummel. As soon as Beth had brought her chair to the fire, I told Marmee my big news. News, Meg? What news, dear? I saw Mrs. King about the position, Marmee, and, and she's going to take me. Four dollars a week. Meg, I'm proud of you. Oh, they have a beautiful house, Marmee, and, and the children are sweet. I,
8: I won't mind working at all. Was there any mail in the village, Marmee? A letter from father? You don't think he'd forget to write us at Christmas, do you? Amy, dear, the letter's in my muff. A letter? A letter from father? He sent you all a little Christmas message.
2: How do you do? Aunt March. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, Aunt March. March. How nice of you to come. Yes, it was nice of me to come. (laughs) Here, a Christmas remembrance for each of you, a Meg. Uh, Thank you, Aunt March. Joe. Thank you, Aunt March. Amy.
6: Thank you, Aunt March.
2: Beth. Thank you, Aunt March. (sighs) When I was a girl, my aunts didn't have to come to me. Well, we plan to visit you tomorrow, Aunt March. One never knows if there will be a tomorrow. Well, have you heard from that foolish father of yours? Waltzing away to war and leaving others to care for his family.
7: We're very proud of Father Aunt March, and there's nobody looking out for us. Joe. Highty-tighty.
2: Hey, if your father'd listen to me, young ladies, you'd be better off today. I begged him not to invest his money with that swindler. If I told him once, I told well, Forgive them- me, Aunt March, but but that was years ago and has nothing to
4: do with now.
7: Besides, it was our money that got lost, not yours. Don't be impertinent,
2: miss. It's a waste of time to talk. Nobody listens to me anyhow. Merry Christmas.
4: Merry Christmas, Christmas, Aunt Aunt March. March.
7: Aunt March, I'll walk out to your sleigh with you. You still want me to work for you, don't you?
2: Mm, Catch your death of cold while you're about it. And it's a fine time to ask me if I want you to work for me. Well, I'd like to be your companion. A companion should be companionable, young woman. I will be, I promise. I'm willing to bury the hatchet. Oh, very well then. Come over after the holidays and bring an apron. All right, thank you,
7: Auntie. Merry Christmas.
4: For all her scolding, Aunt March had given each of us a new shining silver dollar. Supper would have to wait that night as we dashed off to the village store. And later, after we wrapped the presents we were giving to ourselves, Marmee took out the letter that had
8: come from Papa. And give my girls my love and a kiss. Tell them I think of them by day, pray for them by night, and find my best comfort in their affection at all times. I know they will remember to be loving children to you. Will work diligently so that these hard times need not be wasted, and that when I return, I may be fonder and prouder than I ever of my, my little women.
2: How long this sad war will last, Mrs. Marchman? Uh, yes, Hannah. A message for poor Mrs. Ammo ma'am. She wants to know, how soon
8: can you come? Right away. Amy, my, get my boots, dear. My wraps, Joe. Uh, good night, my children. Good, good night, night, Marmy. Marmy. Uh, don't wait up for me. I may be late. Good,
7: good,
6: night. Night. good night. Merry Christmas. Christmas. A fine Christmas Eve. Papa far away, and Marmee out taking care of sick people.
4: And our
5: presents. Uh, they look so lonesome under the tree. And there's, there's nothing for Marmee. Nothing. She needs a new pair of slippers. Well, I'm the man in the family while Papa's away, so I'll supply the slippers.
7: But how? Our money's all spent. Well, I bought a book. I'll take it
5: back. But I thought of the slippers first, Joe. So you
7: did, Beth. Well, then, I'll buy her army shoes. The very best to be had. And I'll get her a nice pair of gloves. Pink ones.
6: A little bottle of cologne from me. Both Marmee and I just love cologne. Oh, but... But won't the stores be closed? Who
7: cares? Come on, me hearties, we'll storm the citadel.
4: It was long past midnight when Marmee returned. We were huddled at the top of the stairs. We couldn't see her as she stopped by the Christmas tree, but.
5: but we knew that she had found our presents. But. but why is she crying? I can hear Marmee and she's crying. Doesn't she like our presents? Come on now. Back to bed before she sees us.
4: Why is she crying, Meg? Because she loves us, little Beth, and love and tears live very close together. Come on now.
7: Christopher Columbus! What a breakfast! Look! Kidney pie and sausage. Popovers and and coffee. And everything.
6: Merry
2: Christmas, girls. Merry, Merry Christmas,
6: Christmas
7: Hannah. Hannah. Hannah, you do beat the Dutch.
2: Oh, I can remember when I served a breakfast like this every
5: day. We must have been enormously rich.
7: Well, kindly pass the popovers,
2: Meg. Now, wait for Marmy, Amy. Your mom's took breakfast and gone. She said she'll meet you all in church. Gone? Back to the Umbles. The baby finally come early this morning. Another baby? One after another. Six children, half frozen. Huddled in one bed, she said. Your mom took her breakfast to him. I, I'm not hungry either.
5: Oh, Beth. I'm not hungry. But, but people are starving everywhere,
4: every day. Well, if you're going to let that worry you, you'll never eat at all. I, I try not to think about it. Those people are far away,
7: Meg, and we don't know them but the Hummels are near and we do know them. You, you're not thinking of giving our breakfast to the Hummels. Yes, we are. Aren't we, Joe?
6: Oh no, you couldn't think of a thing like that, no.
4: Poor hungry Amy. A few moments later, as we passed by the Lawrence mansion, loaded with food for the Hummels, there he was, Mr. Lawrence's grandson and, and another young man.
9: Aren't you rather loaded down, miss? May I help you?
7: Oh, oh no, thank you, sir. Josephine, must you lag so? Just a minute. You're his grandson, aren't you? Mr. Lawrence's?
9: Why, yes. Yes, I am. I'm Theodore Lawrence, and this is my friend, John. John Brooke. How do you do? How do you do?
7: I'm Joe March, and I'd like you to meet my sisters, only I guess they're too far up the road.
9: Oh, what a pity.
7: Oh, Oh, we know all about you, you know. About how you ran away to join the army? Oh, and I'd have done the same in your place. And how you were both in the same regiment, which is splendid, I think. Simply splendid.
9: Oh, we're pleased, Miss March. Simply pleased.
4: Josephine, come on.
9: Well, goodbye.
1: Goodbye, Miss March. Goodbye, Miss March.
9: Really, Joe,
4: I must say, really. Oh, fiddlesticks. What will they think? Stopping to talk when we hadn't met them properly?
7: Well, you weren't very friendly. You didn't even say, how do you
4: do? Well, I don't like the way that that man stared at me. What man? Oh, Mr. Brooke? I didn't notice. Well, I did. And he's still looking. Who? Mr. Brooke. Don't look back. Oh, who? Bye. That was a big morning in our lives. Surrendering our breakfast to the Hummels and meeting young Mr. Lawrence and Mr. Brooke. The next afternoon, Joe was out on the walk, shoveling snow.
9: Hello!
7: Hello! Hustle yourself out here and help me!
9: I can't! I have the Quinsy. Oh, what a shame! Oh, it isn't contagious. I can have visitors, but I don't know anyone, though.
7: Well, you know me.
9: Well, would you care to come over and keep me company?
7: Well, I'll speak to my mother, Mr. Lawrence. You may expect me, though. Thank you. Well, here I am, Mr. Lawrence, and I brought you some blanc mange. It's soft and will slide down easily. Quincy, huh?
9: Got some flannel around your throat? Oh, yes, yes. You see? And thanks for the Blancmange.
7: Well, I've come to entertain you. I'll read aloud and you can listen.
9: I do love to read aloud. Well, I'd rather just talk, if you don't mind. Uh, won't you sit by the fire?
7: Oh, thank you. I love to talk, too. I always... Christopher Columbus!
9: What's the matter?
7: Well, this room. What richness. Oh, I call this splendor. That's what I call it. Splendor. Mr. Theodore Lawrence, you should be the happiest creature alive.
9: Well, it's just a room to me, and it certainly doesn't make me happy. Some tea, Miss March? How many lumps?
7: One, please. Uh, three. Now, do tell me all about yourself. Of course I know all about your school in the army, but before that, what?
9: Well, I used to live in Europe with my parents before they died. Oh,
7: I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to Europe, too, you know. Oh, really? When? Oh, uh, well, I don't know exactly. You see, my Aunt March, I've decided to work for her as companion. Oh, and what a nervous, fidgety soul she is, too. Well, anyway, my Aunt March has rheumatism, and the doctor thought that baths... Oh, not that she hasn't got a bath. She has a very nice bath. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you have any baths while you were there, Mr. Lawrence? I mean, for your rheumatism?
9: I haven't got rheumatism.
7: Oh, well, neither have I. But you see, I figured that baths wouldn't do me any harm. That is to say, while I was there. Because I've always wanted to go to Europe. Oh, not for the baths, of course. Not at all. But for my writing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so good for writers. You see, Aunt March... Oh, but you don't know Aunt March. What were you going to say, Mr. Lawrence?
9: Well, it was so long ago I've forgotten. But I'm not Mr. Lawrence. I'm Lori.
7: Oh, well, Lori, um, how are you getting along with your grandfather, Lori?
9: Oh, fine, fine. Once I got used to him, isn't he a holy terror?
7: <laughs> you should see my Aunt March.
9: Well, this, uh, this Blanc Mange looks too good to eat. Oh, it isn't. Meg made it. She's the oldest. Oh, she is. You know, John and I were wondering... Why should he wonder? Well, he uh, seems quite taken by your sister's beauty, and, well, he wondered if there was anybody that is anybody she liked. Did he ask you to find out? No, no, no. I was just... Well, you may tell Mr. Brooke that we don't
7: like anybody in our house. (laughs) That is, we like a great many people, but we don't like young men. Oh, we like young men, too, but we don't like young men who wonder about who else we like. Oh. And Meg is too young and too fine and far, far too clever to bother about who wonders about it. It's ridiculous.
9: I beg your pardon, Miss Marsh. Yes? Uh, you're on fire. What? Your dress, in the rear. Oh, oh, how clumsy. Here, let me help you.
7: Well, put it out. Don't just stand there.
9: Oh, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't hurt you.
7: Ah, oh, that's the second dress I've scorched this week. You see, I like to toast myself and I get too close... I think I'd better go home.
9: Oh, please don't go. It's dull as tombs here.
7: Is that why you stand at your window looking at us?
9: It's rude of me, I know. But you always seem to be having such a good time. When the lamps are lighted, it's like looking at a picture, Miss March. All of you gathered around the fire with your mother.
7: Well, then why don't you come over? Then you'd be a part of the picture. And Marmee is so splendid.
9: Well, my grandfather mightn't approve. He'd say I was imposing, but in spite of that... Oh, Bilge.
7: Oh, I know his face frightens half of Concord, but it doesn't frighten me. Of course, every time I've ever seen him, he's been barking at something. Nevertheless, I... I rather like him.
3: Well, that's something, isn't it? Oh, Mr. Lawrence. Thank you, madam. My face frightens half of Concord, does it?
7: (laughs) Yes, sir. Frankly, it does. You understand, I don't think you mean to frighten them, but your face is... Well, you asked me, sir, and yes, I do think so.
3: And I bark, do I?
7: I've heard you bark, yes, sir. Perhaps you don't bark all the time, but you do bark,
3: yes, sir. And with all of that, you rather like me, do you? Yes, I do. I really do, in spite of everything. And I like you. Have a cup of tea. Oh, thank you. I had one. I was just going. Oh, not so fast. no, Not so fast, young lady. I have something to ask you. Yes, sir? Unless you've already asked her, Laurie.
9: Uh, no, sir. I've had difficulty saying much of anything, sir.
3: (laughs) Ah, yes. Young lady, on Saturday night, there will be a cotillion of sorts in this house. We shall be happy if you and your sisters attend. A cotillion? Here? Well, will you attend? Will we? Uh, I mean, I shall ask my
7: mother, Mr. Lawrence. It's very grateful of you, sir. I'll go home and ask her right now. A cotillion, Christopher Columbus.
3: You you know, Laurie, I wonder if that young woman ever walks.
9: Christopher Columbus, sir. I wonder, too.
1: In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Two of Little Women. But now, a word from our sponsors.
0: I love to go see a play, how about you? Sing along in a musical every day, how about you? Comedy, drama, murder, mysteries, they fill the bill. I love acting, directing, even scenery, painting. How about you? Our ACT Theatre Production's the place to be. Come and see. And on any given night, you might get to meet me. Won't you help us to fulfill our dream? Affordable theater on a local scene. Share a laugh or two. We hope to see you soon at our new Seagriff Theater Room. We're looking forward to it. How about you? Thank you. That's r Theater Productions, 134 Brighton Avenue, Rochester, Pennsylvania. 724-775-6844 or find us on the web at racproductions.com.
9: Expresso yourself this holiday season with a unique gift that's easy on the wallet and packed with a whole latte love. At Hallow Grounds Coffee Roastery in New Brighton you will discover artisan micro-roasted coffee freshly roasted on site to guarantee a pleasurable coffee experience. Be it the holidays or any day celebrate with Hallowed Grounds. At Hallowed Grounds, you will get one pound free when you buy four pounds of heavenly roasted coffee or take one dollar off a two pound purchase. Like Hallowed Grounds on Facebook to check out their daily deals and ongoing specials. So perk up your holiday giving with an amazingly delicious gift from Hallowed Grounds. Buy the cup or buy the pound. Hallowed Grounds is the best around. Call, click, or stop in today. Hallowed Grounds, feeling your coffee revival. That's Hallowed Grounds, 1106 3rd Avenue, New Brighton, go to hallowed-grounds.com or telephone 724-581-5282.
4: Faxing, designing, printing and storing, notarizing, copying, Boxing and packing, everything that a small business could need. The UPS store will provide with all speed. Brochuring, delivering, and flying to. Returning, shredding, and receiving for you. Consulting, supplying, and shipping galore. All these are available at the UPS store. Need an address? Get a mailbox? Postage stamps for fees? Day spree. Contact your local UPS store at 204 Gulfview Drive, Menaca, PA 724 774 4942, or visit online at the UPS store local dot com backslash 1820 mm-hmm.
7: Your dog treated as royalty. Canine Kingdom is the place to be. When you drop your
5: puppies
7: off, happiness on their faces you'll see. From grooming to boarding to training, Canine Kingdom has options galore. Even home services are available That's right, they will come to your door To start, just schedule a visit The facilities are simply the best We know you'll be wowed by what they offer your puppy will be their royal guest. That's Canine Kingdom, 723 State Avenue, Vanport, PA, 878-201-3533, and online at mycaninekingdom.com.
1: Act Two of Little Women:
4: A Party. And an invitation to a party in the richest, most elegant home in Concord. No wonder we were so excited when Saturday night finally arrived. Yet, to be completely honest, only Amy and I really wanted to go.
8: You look just lovely, Meg, dear. Thank you, Marmee. Just lovely. Now, where's Amy? Oh, she's painting Joe's dress, Marmee. She's what? Joe's
4: done it again. Stood too close to the fire. Her best dress, too. Oh, no. Beth and I patched it for her, and now Amy's painting the patch to sort of blend it in. Watercolors. Oh, that's splendid, Amy. Splendid.
7: It's right as rain now. Oh, but it still shows, Joe. I don't know what you're going to do. Oh, that's very simple. I shall spend the evening sitting in chairs
5: with Beth. Do I really have to go? Do I, Marmy?
8: There'll be all those... People. But it would hurt their feelings if you stayed at home. And besides, little Beth, you must learn not to be afraid of people. Well, you at least
7: look most attractive, Beth. But look at me. My shoes are too tight. I have 19 hairpins sticking in my head and a patch on my... back. And I feel dreadful. Joe, don't you have your white gloves? Oh, all right. Ooh, how I hate to be elegant. Well, good night, Marmee.
8: Good night, my dears.
7: Good
4: night, night, Marmee.
8: Now don't eat too much, Amy, and wait until you're asked.
6: Marmee, you'd think I were a child. Just tell Joe not to stride about and swear. She'll disgrace us. I shall be prim as a
7: dish. Come on, my dears, let's be elegant or die.
5: (laughs) I'm glad we found the spot, Amy nobody can see us behind all these potted palms. A palm in a pot is a mark of elegance. Can
6: you see Meg? Oh yes, she's still dancing with Lori's friend. Mr. Brooke? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, my dear Beth, I do believe our Meg is stricken.
5: I think so too. Dancing makes anybody dizzy. Oh, I don't mean that. Amy, just look. Just look at that piano over there. Oh, isn't it perfectly absolute? Why, why it's bigger than our kitchen.
3: Who's that? Who's that behind that palm?
5: Oh, don't let him see me, Amy.
3: Why aren't you dancing this, Amy?
6: Mother thinks I'm too young, Mr. Lawrence. Besides, I'd rather mingle with my sister than mingle with the crowd. She has an informity, Mr. Lawrence. Oh? She's shy.
3: Oh, I see.
6: But if it weren't for that, she'd be simply fastidious. She's a real artist, you know. Plays the piano beautifully.
3: Well, she should come over here and play sometime.
6: Oh, she'd never do that. She doesn't play for people, just herself.
3: Uh, But I wasn't going to listen to her. It's just that the piano is going to ruin for want of use. Well, if no one cares to come, never mind. Someone cares? Very much. Oh, I didn't realize you heard what I was saying.
5: I I heard, sir. I'm Beth. And I'll come, if no one will hear me, and be disturbed.
3: Not a soul, my dear, not a soul. And please tell your mother that I think all her daughters are... are simply fastidious.
6: Oh, Beth, isn't he just perfectionary? Why, I think...
5: Amy, somebody's coming. Let's hide again.
6: Oh, it's that stuck-up Miss Gardner and
2: her daughter. Don't move. Oh, did you see him, Sally? Theodore Lawrence still with that impertinent Josephine March. Well, it's very obvious she'd set her cap for him. Well, what can you expect, Mother?
8: One of them has to marry for money, since they've none of their own.
2: Well, Mr. Lawrence will have something to say about that. I'm sure he has other ideas for the boy. Of course, it would be a triumph for Mrs. March. I must say she's managing the affair very well. Amy? Amy, did you hear what they... Oh, Amy.
9: Now, this is the third dance, Joe. And I'm hanged if I'll let you refuse me again.
7: Please, Lori, don't ask me anymore.
9: Well, why not? How can a girl sit so much? Oh,
7: very well. See for yourself. There, I'm patched.
9: Oh, so you did it again, huh? Too close to the fire.
7: You know, life will be far less complicated for
9: me when the warm weather comes. Well, the least you can do is...
7: Joe! Joe, something
6: awful's happened. Amy!
9: Well, it can't be that bad.
6: Well, what is it? Oh, I can't tell you now. Not in front of him. Beth wants to go home. She's had a dreadful shock and... And I think I want to go home too.
7: Where's Meg, Lori?
9: Still with John Brooke, of course.
7: Lori, would you fetch her, please?
9: Of course.
8: I don't understand, Joe. Coming home from the party so early. Uh, well, I'm glad you all had a nice time.
7: Oh yes, Marmee, it was splendid. <laughs> Simply, Simply splendid. Marmee, hmm? Um, you don't have any plans for us, do you? Plans? Well, you know, like, like wanting us to marry rich men or something. Oh,
8: why, yes, Joe. I have great many plans. I want you all to be beautiful, accomplished, and good. Of course, I'd like to see you marry rich men if you love them, but I'd rather see you as the happy wives of poor men or even respectable old maids than queens on thrones without peace or self-respect.
7: Oh, I'm never going to get
8: married, never. Aren't you my Joe? Now go to bed, sweetheart, go to bed.
4: One reason why Jo was so sure she'd never get married was because she wanted to be a writer far more than a wife. Jo never stopped writing. It left her very little spare time, even for Lori.
5: Lori's here, Joe. He said that you said that Aunt March said you didn't have to go to her house today. Well, Beth, just send him away. He says he's just going to wait until you come
7: down. Oh, I wish he'd realize I haven't time for his nonsense. And what's in that package?
5: Slippers. I made them. Who for? A gentleman. A gentleman? What's the matter with everybody in this family? Oh, but this is an old gentleman. They're for Lori's grandfather. He's been so kind about letting me play on that lovely piano. And in all the weeks I've been going there, I haven't even seen him. Well, go ahead then. Give them the slippers. If your story's finished, Joe,
7: can I read it? Nope, not now. But you keep your fingers crossed and maybe someday you'll read it in print. I'm taking it to the publishers this morning. Now you run along. Joe, but what'll I tell Lori? Tell him, I'll tell him I went up in smoke.
4: <laughs> so Joe went into town, but what she didn't know was that Lori went into town too, and he waited for her in front of the publishing office. That's not very good
7: manners, Mr. Lawrence, following me.
9: What about your manners, trying to avoid me all the time? What were you doing in there?
7: What I was doing is a secret.
9: All right. Keep your secret. Only, I've got one, too. Oh?
7: Something plummy?
9: Something very plummy. Now, tell me yours, and I'll tell you mine. All right. Here. A bank draft?
7: Well, read it.
9: Pay to Josephine March the sum of one dollar. For what?
7: Turn it over.
9: In full payment for her story entitled, The Phantom Hand. Well... One dollar? Oh. Well, maybe it
7: isn't much, but someday I'll get as as much as ten dollars.
9: Joe, I just don't understand you. Cooping yourself up in a garret, missing a lot of fun with me, working, and for what? For one measly little dollar. It isn't the dollar. At least, that's not all of it.
7: It's, well, it, it'll it be read in print, and I wrote every word, and people will read it. People I've never even seen. Anyway, what's your secret?
9: Well, you remember the glove that Meg couldn't find?
7: Meg's glove? What about it?
9: I know where it is. In somebody's pocket. John Brooks. That's very romantic, isn't it? No,
7: it's horrid.
9: You don't like it?
7: Of all the sickly, sentimental rubbish, I'm disgusted. And I'm certainly glad Meg doesn't know. She'd be furious.
9: Well, I'm not so sure. I believe she's very fond of John.
7: She's perfectly happy with the way things are. And you'd better tell Mr. Brooke to keep away from us, or I'll let him know just what I think of him, trying to break up my family.
9: Oh, just wait till someone falls in love with you, Joe. You'll feel differently then. A soft summer day, with the sun setting through the trees, and your lover's arms around you.
7: I'd like to see anyone try it.
9: Would you? Then what would you do?
7: I'd give him a good shove, just like this. Oof!
9: Joe! Joe, wait! What are you mad at me for? Joe must have run
4: all the way home. I remember how annoyed I was because she burst into the house just as John, just as Mr. Brooke, was about to leave. He'd been calling on me. She all but knocked him down, too. Well, can't a member of the family even come into the house? I was never so embarrassed in all my life. Joe. when are you going to stop your rude, romping ways? Not till I'm old and stiff and need a crutch. Look at you. No hairpins, no combs, running down a public road. I wish I was a horse. Oh. Falling in love, that's
7: what you are. And Amy's not much better either, always primping and showing off. Beth's the only
4: one I can depend on. Where is she? She's in the parlor. Oh, we just had a big surprise. What kind of a surprise? Mr. Lawrence sent her a present. And it took six men to carry it over. His piano. Piano?
8: Yes, he's given it to Beth. For me, Joe, he... he gave it to me, Mr. Lawrence. But his note, darling, we haven't even opened up the note he sent. Well, read it, Beth. I can't. Will you read it, Joe?
7: Miss Elizabeth March. Dear Miss. Oh, how elegant. I have had many pairs of slippers in my life, but never any that suited me so well as yours. I like to pay my debts, so I know you will allow the old gentleman to send you something which once belonged to the little granddaughter he lost. Oh! I remain your grateful friend and humble servant, James Lawrence. Aren't you going to play
8: the piano, darling?
5: Not now. I... I have to go and thank him. Look at her, Marmee. Our scared little rabbit going
7: all by herself. The piano's turned her head. She'd never go. Not in her right mind.
1: A young lady to see you, Mr. Lawrence. Miss Beth March, the pianist. Well, show her in! Show her in!
5: Good afternoon. Well, can't you come in a little
3: closer? Yes, sir. Now look at your chin. It's all quivering, but why?
5: I... I came to thank you, sir. I came to thank you.
3: Little girl. Little girl.
4: So many things happened in those fast, fleeting days, and, and now, in retrospect, I see them far more clearly than when they were actually happening. But then, I suppose, all I could think of was John. John Brooke. But one event struck all of us like a bolt of lightning. A telegram from the War Department.
2: Well... So your
7: father's in a hospital, eh? Wounded? Marmy's packing now, Aunt March, and she sent me
2: to ask for your help. She needs $25 for the fare. Oh, she does, Miss Jo. I begged your father not to go in the first place. But nobody listens to me, not until they get into trouble. Oh, Aunt March, what's the use of all that now? The train leaves in two hours. Oh, he's interrupting me, but you'll listen this
7: time. No, I won't. I only came here because Marmee says she's not too proud to beg for father. Well, I am. I'm too proud to beg for anyone. I'd rather sweep the streets than ever come to you again.
2: Stubborn, obstinate, rude. Josephine, come back here. Come back here.
8: So you had another argument with Aunt March?
4: Yes, Marmee. Well, that's funny. She didn't say anything when she was here just now. Aunt March was here? Why, yes, dear. She
5: brought me the money. Oh, no.
7: And where have you been?
5: Lori's been looking all
8: over for you, Joe.
7: Oh, I lost my temper, so I decided to get some money on my own. Here, Marmy.
8: But, But where did you get it? How? Well, look... (gasps)
4: <gasps> oh, no, oh, Joe. Joe, your hair, your beautiful
8: hair. Oh, my poor Joe.
4: Amy, Amy, look. Joe's cut
9: her
7: hair off and sold it. Well, it doesn't affect the fate of the nation, so don't start wailing.
9: So, you've come home. I've been looking. Christopher Columbus, you look like a porcupine. <laughs> really, I feel
8: deliciously light and cool. Your hair will grow back, Joe. It'll be just as lovely as ever. But you will never be more beautiful than you are now,
9: Marmee. Your, your train. I'll be glad to drive you to the station, Mrs. March.
8: Thank you, Lori. Goodbye, my darlings. God bless. Keep us all.
4: Never was our house as empty as now. Father wounded in a hospital. How badly we didn't even know, and, and now Marmee had left us too. And then came. The worst disaster of all.
6: Come on in, Beth. Lunch is all ready. How are the Hummels, dear? Did you help them like Marmee said?
5: Don't come near me. Beth, what is it? The baby. The Hummels' baby. The baby's dead, Joe. The baby's dead. Oh, no. I tried to warm her feet, but she was so cold and lay so still that I knew she was dead. And when the doctor came and he he said it was scarlet fever... Oh, Beth. Look at her. Look at her face. No, keep away from me. I feel funny. I...
4: (gasps) She's fainted. I'll put her to bed. Joe, run for Dr. Barnes.
1: In a few moments, we'll continue with Act Three of Little Women, after these messages. In the center of Beaver's quaint shopping district, you'll find the Courtney Lachlan Frame Studio and Gallery. Jamie Lachland and Kathy Courtney are award-winning custom framers specializing in quality and innovative designs. Their beautiful shop hosts artist receptions, frame shop tours, and has classes throughout the year to help others learn about the art of framing. And if you're looking for a unique gift this holiday season, come be wowed by the displayed works of local artists. For the history lover on your list, Courtney Laughlin has maps of Beaver County, both vintage and reproduction. There are so many distinctive gifts and holiday items to choose from. A wonderful experience awaits you at 531 3rd Street in Beaver at the Courtney Laughlin Frames Studio and Gallery. Call 724 724- Seven seven three zero three zero six for more details. courtney com Santa baby I'm
7: thinking about getting myself a tattoo. I'm blue But I need some advice. Santa baby I need the name of an artist to go to Santa baby I need a special gift for my family Let's see Maybe a sketch of my sister and me Any idea who I could see?
9: Little lady, take my advice Tyree Patrick's the best at any price He runs Big Nurse Tattoos and Art by Tyree Just go to New Brighton and you will see
7: Santa baby, Tyree Patrick was really good advice He's nice, can't wait to show off my tattoo Santa baby, I'm so glad
9: That's Big Nerds Tattoos and Art by Tyree, 805 3rd Avenue, New Brighton, PA, 724-384-8070. You can also find Big Nerds Tattoos and Art Gallery on Facebook.
8: Stray Cat Studios, the gift giving season is upon us. Are you in the market for a unique, homemade gift crafted by a local artist? Or perhaps would you like to try your hand at making your own special something? Well, there's one place you can go for both. Stray Cat Studios in Beaver Falls is half gift shop and half pottery studio. Their gift shop is run by artists, for artists, and home to some of the most beautiful pieces of art, crafts, and treasures you will ever find anywhere. The studio offers classes where you can arrange a small project of your own and explore your own creativity in clay. The mission of Stray Cat Studio is to offer beauty to the community as a tool for helpfulness and restoration. You can support local businesses, local artists, and the community as a whole. So, let loose the creative cat in you. Stray on in or check them out at StrayCats.com. Visit them at 507 7th Avenue, Beaver Falls, or call them at 724-494-9347. The cool cats go to Stray Cat Studios. Meow.
4: just not our thing Schedule a show With just one ring 724-846-2585 The cellar dwellers do An improv show 52 Fridays in a row Now you can say You're in the know See you soon At the new secret stage What we do is off the cuff rhyming words is really tough I feel you've had enough time to get on with the show laughter is the cellar dweller's goal they say it's good for the soul every Friday night at 10pm's the show The Cellar Dwellers at the Seagriff Stage, 134 Brighton Avenue, Rochester, PA, 724-846-2585. Or visit them online at thecellardwellers.com.
10: H-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D spells Hollywood. Hollywood Garden's the place to get a craft beer. Food galore in a pleasant atmosphere. H-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D, you'll see. Homemade soups, mac and cheese, so much to choose, we aim to please. It's Hollywood Gardens for me. Hollywood Gardens, 169 Pinney Street, Rochester, Pennsylvania, 724 728 2227. HollywoodGardensBar.com.
1: The curtain rises on Act Three of Little Women.
4: Those were the darkest days of our lives, but our prayers were answered and our little sister Beth was spared. Marmee was home by now, and, and then the glorious day when Papa came back to us too. Thin and worn and weak, but, but home again. Well, Meg, I guess the
7: March family is all together once again. Oh, I call that splendid. I do, really. If only you didn't... If I didn't what? Meg, are you expecting that man to call?
4: Man? Oh, well, if you mean John Brooke, Joe, I... Well, I I
7: hope you don't think you're in love with him, because I can tell you that you're not. (laughs) I'm not? Nope. You see, Meg, I'm a writer, and so I know. You have none of the symptoms. Your appetite's fine, you sleep like a log, and you don't mope in corners. Therefore, you're not in love. Therefore, do not go and marry that man.
4: (laughs) I don't intend to go and marry any man. You don't!
7: Hurrah for you! You're a Trump! But what will you say to him when he comes begging for your hand?
4: Well, I shall say, thank you, Mr. Brooke. Quite calmly and decidedly, thank you, Mr. Brooke. Let us be good friends, but nothing more. Good. Hand him the mitten, Meg,
7: and then maybe things around here will be the way they were when... Oh, no. Oh, no what? Joe, he's here. Look, the veranda. You're in luck. You can tell him off right now. (laughs) Oh, if only I could see his face when you do.
4: Poor John. I i tried to send him away. I really did, but I didn't have a chance to. We weren't alone for five minutes before Aunt March descended on us and ordered me out in the hall.
2: What was he doing? Proposing to you, wasn't he? Oh, please, Aunt March. He'll hear you. Well, let me tell you, miss. Except that rook, crook, or brook, and not one penny of my money goes to you. I, I shall marry whom I please, Aunt March. And... And I don't care anything about your money. It is your duty, Miss Independence, to marry a rich man and help your family. You may be perfectly sure that fortune chaser knows you have a rich aunt. And that is why he wants to marry you. How dare you say
4: such a thing? Why, why my John would no more marry for money than,
2: than I would. Ha, do as you please. But the day you marry him, consider yourself disinherited. Now you've even made me forget what I came here for in the first place.
1: Meg? Meg, I I couldn't help but overhear. Oh, John. Thank you for defending me, Meg. For proving that you do care. (laughs) I
4: didn't know how much until she said those dreadful things.
1: Meg. My dearest Meg. Meg.
4: Marmy!
7: Marmee, do something! Joe, Joe, what is it? Go downstairs, quick! John Brooke is acting
4: dreadfully, and Meg likes it! <laughs> John and I were married three months later. There was a reception afterwards at the Lawrence home, and, and I saw Joe steal away from the crowd, and, and then Lori going after her. I was so sure then that another wedding would not be far distant.
9: Oh, don't feel too badly, Joe. She's still your sister, and there isn't a finer man in the world than John Brooke.
7: She married him, after all her promises.
9: Well, you still got me, Joe. I'm not good for much, I know, but I'll stand by you all the days of my life.
7: You don't know what a comfort you are to me, Lori.
9: Joe, will you listen to what I want to tell you?
7: No, Lori, don't say it.
9: Oh, but I will, and you must hear me. It's no use, Joe. Please. I've loved you ever since I've known you. I couldn't help it. I've tried to show you, but you wouldn't let me. And now I'm going to make you give me an answer.
7: Well, I never wanted you to care for me, so. I've tried to keep you from it when I could.
9: And I only loved you more for it. Oh, I know I'm not good enough for you, Joe, but if you love me, you can make me anything you like.
7: Oh, Laurie, I wouldn't change you. You should marry a lovely, accomplished girl who adores you. Someone someone who would give you the sort of life you really want. I wouldn't. We'd quarrel, Laurie, and- Oh,
9: no, no. We wouldn't.
7: We always have, you know. And everything would be horrid.
9: Oh, it'd be heaven, Joe. I just can't go on without you.
7: I'm so sorry, Laurie. So desperately sorry. But I can't say I love you when I don't.
9: Really and truly, Joe?
7: Really and truly, Lori. I don't think I'll ever marry.
9: Oh, yes, you will. You'll meet some good for nothing fool and work and live and die for him. I know you will, because it's just your way. And I'm to stand by and see it all happen. Well, I'll be hanged if I will. Lori, where are you going? To the devil! Lori!
4: The months went by, and Lori and Joe scarcely saw each other. And then, through Aunt March, Joe heard of a position in New York. A good family in need of a governess.
7: Oh, I've always wanted to go to New York, Marmee. Why, they have the finest libraries and theaters there, and in my spare time I can write.
8: Let me talk it over with Father, my darling.
7: I've already asked him. He says it's, it's up to you.
8: It might be good for you, Joe.
7: Oh, it would. And I won't stay forever. A year, maybe. And when I come back, why, everything will be just the same as it used to be.
8: I have no little ones anymore, Joe.
7: You have Beth, Marmee. And Amy.
8: Yes, Joe. Yes, of course.
4: So, Joe left Concord. We heard from her regularly. And always an inquiry about Lori. And, after a while, always a passing mention of a tutor in the household... A foreigner named Professor
10: Bear.
1: Oh,
7: of Fräulein March. Oh, please don't stop, Professor Baer. It's so beautiful. Oh,
10: thank you very much. What is that song? I've heard you play it before. It's called Norver die zenzurck kennt." Uh, do you understand German, Fräulein March? No, no, I don't. The words are by a famous writer, Goethe. I will try to say them for you in English. Uh, let's see now. Only who knows what longing is... Can know what I suffer. Alone and parted, far from joy and gladness, my senses fail, a burning fire devours me.
7: Oh, if only I could write something like that. Something that would set other hearts on fire.
10: You you truly like to write, do you not? Oh, it's my life, Professor Baer. Sometime you will show me what you have written?
7: Oh yes. And I've just sold another story. It's It's in the Weekly Volcano. Oh, it's a wonderful one about... well, if you'd really like to read it.
10: The Weekly Volcano?
7: It's a magazine, and it's the best story I've ever done.
10: How happy you look, Fraulein March. I'm so glad for you. I am happy. And you have not missed your home so much lately? Or your... your old friends? No. No, I haven't.
7: And you are most responsible for that.
10: Thank you, my little friend.
7: Oh, showing me this wonderful, exciting city, the museums, the theaters?
10: I will tell you something, Fraulein March. There is no greater pleasure than to hear or see something beautiful with someone... is uh, Someone who... Excuse me, Miss March. Yes, Paul? You have visitors, miss. Your aunt
3: and your sister.
4: Yes, Amy and Aunt March were in New York, but not for long. Aunt March was taking Amy abroad to Europe.
2: Of course, I know I promised to take you to Europe, Joe. But then Amy and I get along famously. And I never did get along with you, now did I?
7: (laughs) It's all right, Aunt March. Oh, and Amy, dear, I'm so happy for you. Now tell me, how's the family? Oh, they're all
6: fine, Joe. Except Beth. She hasn't been well since she was so sick that time. Beth. Oh, but she must get well. She must.
2: And do you know that Meg is expecting? Dreadful, isn't it?
7: <laughs> no, Auntie, it's wonderful. And, um, how's Lori? Uh, Lori? Well, didn't
6: you see him when he was here? Here? In New York? Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago. He and Mr. Lawrence are on their way to
2: England. And he didn't come to see me? Well, can you blame him after the way you trotted off? He didn't even try to see me.
10: Ya, Miss March, I have read every one, all your stories. Thank you for lending them to me. Well, Professor Bear? I must be honest, my little friend. I was disappointed. Oh. Why do you write such... Such artificial characters, such contrived plots. Villains, murderers, fainting women. Do you not know that... For I march, I... I have hurt you. Oh, I'm so sorry.
7: Oh, don't pay any attention to me. It's just that everything happens at once. Everything? Well, my little sister is ill, and my trip to Europe will never be... And... Lori.
10: Lori? Oh, yeah... Your friend. He
7: was in New York. He didn't even try to see me.
10: What a fool he must be. And I chose this moment to criticize your writing.
7: Oh, no. No, I always knew my stories weren't very good, but you see, they,
10: they help at home to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. that is what I thought. And I said to myself, maybe I have no right to speak to her, for she does have talent. Have I really? Oh, great talent, little friend. And I say to you, sweep first the mud in the street before you are false to that talent. Say to yourself, I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. Say to yourself, while I'm young, I will write the simple, beautiful things I know and understand. Will you do that, Josephine? I'll try. I have a rich friend. He's a publisher. When you are ready for it, I will see that he reads what you write.
7: Thank you. Only I'm going back to Concord. I'm going home.
10: Going home? It's where I belong. Then I... I will not see you again? Yeah. go back to your home and write your stories. And maybe someday I will see you there, in your home. Joe
4: was back, and the old house in Concord was briefly lighted again. But there was a great darkness impending. Oh,
5: Beth. Our little Beth. Don't cry, Joe. I don't want you to cry for me.
7: I'm not crying for you, darling. I'm, I'm just lonesome for Amy and Meg and our old happy times. I'll be all
5: right. It's no use, Joe. Joe. I know what the doctor must have said. Please, don't tell Marmy or father. But I know. Joe, you mustn't be afraid. Doesn't it sound funny, me saying that to you when you've always said it to me? You've always reminded me of a seagull, Joe. Strong and wild, fond of the wind and storm and dreaming of flying out to sea. And Marmy said, I was the cricket on the hearth, content to stay at home. I can't express it very well. I guess I shouldn't even try, except to my Joe. But it seems that I was never intended to live very long. I never planned what I would do when I grew up like the rest of you did, because I could never bear the thought of leaving home. But I'm not afraid anymore, Joe. I've learned that I won't lose you, that nothing can really part us, though it seems to, and that we'll always be a family, even though one of us is gone. But Joe, I think I will be homesick for you, even in heaven.
4: In April, when my baby was born, I named her Elizabeth in memory of my sister. After we had lost Beth, no one saw very much of Jo. She shut herself up in the garret, writing. But then, one day, she came to visit me.
7: It's all finished, Meg. My novel. I'm on
4: my way to the post office now. Oh, Jo. How wonderful. Can I read it? When it comes back. Maybe it won't come back. Maybe they'll
7: publish it. I'm not sending it to a publisher. It's going to Professor Bear. Oh, you, you write to him often, don't you? Yes, I do. And he knows what I'm writing about. I mean, he understands me, Meg. Well, I think it's
4: splendid. We had a letter, Joe, from Laurie. Oh? Joe, how would you feel if, if you heard that Laurie was learning to care for someone else? Amy? Yes. They're all in Paris now. Then I wouldn't mind at all, Meg. How could I? Well, it's just that. Now that, that you seem so alone, Joe, I. Well, I thought that if Lori came back again. No, you might... no. Amy and Lori. I'm truly glad, Meg. Truly glad. In June, Amy and Lori were back in Concord as husband and wife.
9: Joe? Joe? You busy? May I come in?
7: Lori! Oh, Lori, when did you get back? Where's Amy?
9: Downstairs with the family. We and a thunderstorm just arrived.
7: Oh, I can't wait to see her.
9: Joe. Joe, dear. I want to say one thing, then we'll put it by forever.
7: You don't need to say it, Lori. It was always meant to be this way.
9: You tried so hard to make me understand.
7: But you were so impatient and stubborn.
9: Well, now that everything came about the way you wanted it, it'll be like old times again.
7: No, Lori. The old days can never come back. But we can still love each other and help each other all the rest of our lives.
9: Dear Joe, for the rest of our lives.
7: Now let's go down. I want to kiss the bride.
4: It was a wonderfully happy reunion that day. Even Aunt March was reasonably cheerful. Only if Beth... If Beth... During the party, Laurie heard someone at the front door.
10: I beg your pardon. Is Fräulein March in? Fräulein Josephine March? Why, yes. Won't you come in? Oh, but... but there are guests. Well, yes, but... uh... I will go. If you will just give her this, please. Why, yes, yes, of course. Thank you. This
9: is for you, Joe.
7: Why, thank you, Lori.
9: Oh, it isn't for me. Some man just.
6: Well, open it up, Joe. Don't just look at it.
8: Why. Why, it's a book.
4: Yes, yes, Marmy. My Beth by Josephine March. Joe, it's your book. It's been published. Well, why didn't you tell us?
9: Published a book? Who left it, Lori? Well, a man with sort of an accent. Well, where is he? Well, he wouldn't come in. He went away.
7: Oh, no. He couldn't have. He couldn't
4: have. Joe, come back. It's pouring outside.
7: Professor? Professor Bear?
10: Fräulein March? Josephine? Where are you going? Uh, back to the railroad station. I came to bring you your book. My friend published it, you see. He has great hopes. He thinks that Oh, never
7: mind what he thinks. Did you like it?
10: It has such truths, Such simple beauty. But I cannot tell you what is deep in mine heart. And you are going away.
7: I might never have seen you again. Oh, please come back. I
10: couldn't intrude. You
7: have guests. Oh, no. It's just my family. My sister's come home. Amy. She's married to that man I told you about. Lori? Yes. Oh. And it's the first time we've all been together in such a long time. You will come back.
10: Oh, please. Please show just one moment before... Yes? I have a wish to ask something. Would you... I have not the courage to think that, but... But if I could hope that... I, I know I shouldn't have asked. I have nothing to give you but mine heart, which is full... And these hands which are empty. Then take my hands in yours. Jo, Jo, my darling.
7: Let me keep them there forever.
1: We reluctantly draw the curtain and bring our cast of Little Women forward for a bow. Brad McInnes,
6: Kelsey Ray, Pamela Miller,
1: Dave Holowico,
2: Cheryl Crabb, Larry
9: Spinnenweber, Rand Romley,
7: Anna McEnellen, Katie Mahalarikas,
0: Gloria Little,